Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our episode last week, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 2, was posted on October 8th. In that episode, we observed that God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Hama. Therefore, God knows how severely each of us can be tempted. This comment also says, as a result of God's knowledge of us individually, that, with the temptation, also he makes a way of escape. What did our commentary passage tell us? That commentary quotation of William Burkitt's, in the present tense, instead of speaking of Paul, who we should see as our example, reads as follows. If we preach the gospel sincerely, Almighty God would never suffer us to be persecuted and afflicted severely, namely, because all our afflictions are so graciously moderated and we ourselves so powerfully upheld by God that we sink not under the weight and burden of our persecutions and afflictions. Notice how this next comment hinges on this. If we preach the gospel sincerely, that comment right there is what the rest of the statement hinges on. If we do not preach the gospel sincerely, then the rest of the statement does not work because God may or may not uphold us. Therefore, we may well sink under the weight and burden of our persecutions and afflictions. Our persecutions and afflictions are only moderated if... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 2, posted on October 8th. This week, our study is titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 3. We will dig deeper into this passage. We are looking for answers to at least these two questions. How can death and life be at work in us at the same time? What does this phrase mean? The one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. If Jesus is already in heaven, how does that work? Let us see if we can find these answers. This week, our scripture reads, As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in what has been written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. 
For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. From 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 12 through 15. Verse 12 states what some may perceive as a contradiction. It reads, As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Digging deeper, we find, So then, death works in us. We are exposed to death. The preaching of the gospel exposes us to trials which may be regarded as death working in us. Death has an energy over us, is at work, is active, or operates. It is constantly employed in inflicting pain on us and subjecting us to privation and trims. This is a strong and emphatic mode of saying that they were always exposed to death. We are called to serve and glorify the Redeemer as it were, by repeated deaths and by constantly dying. From Barnes' New Testament Notes This passage is not talking about our final physical death where we leave this world. This is the death to things, not of God, that live in our lives. When we had become saved in Christ, our sins, passions, loves, and likes that are all sinful still remained. Becoming saved by Christ caused all our sins to be forgiven of the consequences that await those who do not seek forgiveness of Christ for them. We now need to die to those things of sin still at work in us. This can bring afflictions, trials, and even tribulations into our lives as we work out the better result. What is meant when one can say, I am dead to sin? First, in this life, we will never be totally free of sin. However, we can mitigate it more and more by dying to sin. I suggest that you start with lesser sins that will provide victory for you. Then, with time, increase the difficulty as you triumph over your sins. This is what is being spoken of by Mr. Barnes when he said, They were always exposed to death. We are called to serve and glorify the Redeemer, as it were, by repeated deaths and by constantly dying. This is how death is at work in us, as stated in the opening of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. The second portion of that sentence reads, But life is at work in you. You live as the effect of our being constantly exposed to death. You reap the advantages of all our exposure to trials and of all our sufferings. You are comparatively safe, are freed from this exposure to death, and will receive eternal life as the fruit of your toils and exposures. 
life here may refer either to exemption from danger and death, or it may refer to the life of religion, the hopes of piety, the prospect of eternal salvation. Mr. Barnes states further, To me it seems most probable that Paul means to use it in the latter sense, and that he designs to say that while he was exposed to death and called to endure constant trial, the effect would be that they would obtain, in consequence of his sufferings, the blessedness of eternal life. Thus, understood, this passage means that the sufferings and the self-denials of the apostles were for the good of others and would result in their benefit and salvation. And the design of Paul here is to remind them of his sufferings in their behalf in order to conciliate their favor and bind them more closely to him by the remembrance of his sufferings on their account. From Barnes' New Testament Notes There are two things we want to note from that commentary passage. One, you are comparatively safe, are freed from this exposure to death, and will receive eternal life as the fruit of your toils and exposures. This should remind you of our previous episode that spoke of how we do not suffer the full exposure of sin's results in our lives, that being the way of escape. Remember? Secondly, our commentator said, To me it seems most probable that Paul means to use it in the latter sense, being that it may refer to the life of religion, the hopes of piety, the prospect of eternal salvation, and that he designs to say that while he was exposed to death and called to endure constant trial, the effect would be that they would obtain, in consequence of his sufferings, the blessedness of eternal life. While people today see this as undesirable, this is how our life in Christ works and how it has always worked. We could read part of that commentary passage this way. While we are exposed to death and called to endure constant trial, the effect would be that we would obtain, in consequence of his sufferings, the blessedness of eternal life. That is how it is done. We do not simply accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, become saved in Christ, and then walk away, living life as we always did before receiving him. No, we continue on exposed to death, called to endure constant trial, so we would obtain, in consequence of his sufferings, the blessedness of eternal life. Moving forward, verse 13 tells us, But since we have the same spirit of faith, as that shown in what has been written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believed, therefore we also speak. Digging into this verse, we find, 
we, having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit that is expressed in the quotation which he is about to make, the same faith which the psalmist had, we have the very spirit of faith which is expressed by David. The sense is, we have the same spirit of faith which he had who said, I believed, etc. The phrase spirit of faith means substantially the same as faith itself, a believing sense or impression of the truth. From Barnes New Testament Notes. As I alluded to, what was in their day is still true today. This will prove out further. This passage is found in Psalms 116, verse 10. When the psalmist uttered the words, he was greatly afflicted. In these circumstances, he prayed to God and expressed confidence in him and placed all his reliance on him. In his affliction, he spoke to God. He spoke of his confidence in him. He proclaimed his reliance on him, and his having spoken in this manner was the result of his belief, or of his putting confidence in God. Paul, in quoting this, does not mean to say that the psalmist had any reference to the preaching of the gospel, nor does he mean to say that the circumstances were, in all respects, like those of the psalmist. From Barnes, New Testament Notes. In the American King James Version, we read Psalm chapter 116, verse 10. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. David expresses his faith in relation to what goes before, though the particulars of it are not mentioned, but are left to be supplied from thence. He not only believed there was a God, but that this God was gracious and merciful, and that he was his God, who had made a covenant with him, ordered in all things, and sure he believed the promises of it, and particularly the grand promise of it respecting Christ and salvation by him. He believed the Lord would deliver him out of all his troubles, that he should walk before him and see his goodness in the land of the living. He believed a future state of happiness he should hereafter enjoy. The Apostle Paul quotes this passage and applies it to himself and other gospel ministers, declaring their faith in the resurrection of the dead and an eternal weight of glory they were looking for. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. And therefore spake so freely about these things. Faith gives boldness and freedom of speech to men which believers use with God in prayer. In the believing views of him, 
as their God in Christ and of Christ, his person, blood, righteousness, and sacrifice. It gives ministers boldness and freedom to speak out plainly, constantly, and boldly. The gospel of Christ, it gives the same to private Christians to speak freely one to another of their gracious experiences and to declare publicly to the churches of Christ what God has done for their souls. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. The very important comment made here is this. Faith gives boldness and freedom of speech to men, which believers use with God in prayer. While it may be dangerous to consider this as a marker for where our faith is at present, it does beg the question, if you have bold faith, is it evidenced by your speech to mankind, men and women? And do you use that same speech in your prayers? Only you can answer that question. It is a good question to ask yourself, because if you simply receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then continue on unchanged. What have you accomplished when you have to account for your actions here in this life at the Bema Seat Judgment for us all? When Jesus asks you, What did you do for me? What will your answer be? Will it be about little or nothing when you could have done more as the man with the one talent? Read that story to find out what may await you. Further, we believe in the truths of the gospel. We believe in God, in the Savior, in the atonement, in the resurrection, etc. The sentiment is that they had a firm confidence in these things and that, as the result of that confidence, they boldly delivered their sentiments. It prompted them to give utterance to their feelings. Out of the abundance of the heart, quote-unquote, said the Savior, the mouth speaks, quote-unquote, from Matthew 12, verse 34. No man should attempt to preach the gospel who has not a firm belief of its truths, and he who does believe its truths will be prompted to make them known to his fellow men. All successful preaching is the result of a firm and settled conviction of the truth of the gospel, and when such a conviction exists, it is natural to give utterance to the belief, and such an expression will be attended with happy influences on the minds of other men. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. For clarity, the full verse in this commentary passage reads, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. 
wicked words and sinful actions may be considered as the overflow of a heart that is more than full of the spirit of wickedness, and holy words and righteous deeds may be considered as the overflowing of a heart that is filled with the Holy Spirit and running over with love to God and man. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. This tells us that those people in our lives that seem good, who generally speak good, yet are unsaved, harbor a spirit of wickedness. Despite how nice and good they seem, we must remember that the unsaved harbor a spirit of wickedness. This is according to our own Bibles. Remember what Barnes' New Testament notes told us. All successful preaching is the result of a firm and settled conviction of the truth of the gospel, and when such a conviction exists, it is natural to give utterance to the belief, and such an expression will be attended with happy influence on the minds of other men. Other men, quote-unquote, being the men and women who hear your testimony to them. Notice what is blatantly missing today. When we express to others or witness to them, it will be attended with happy influences on the minds of other men. Yes, in some cases this will not be true of people today. However, it is a marker for us to know how well we are doing with our witness to others. If most people are not attended with happy influences on their minds, then the fault may well be with us and how we are witnessing to others yet to be saved in Christ. Further, we read, We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. From Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. Being fully confident, having the most entire assurance, it was the assured hope of the resurrection which sustained them in all their trials. This expression denotes the full and unwavering belief in the minds of the apostles that the doctrine which they preached were true. They knew that they were revealed from heaven and that all the promises of God would be fulfilled. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice the first sentence in that commentary passage. Being fully confident, having the most entire assurance. The questions here are, Are you fully confident? Do you have the most entire assurance? Notice why I asked these questions. 
quote, it was the assured hope of the resurrection which sustained them in all their trials, end quote. When you have trials, do you possess an assured hope of the resurrection which sustains you in all your trials? Do you possess a full and unwavering belief in your mind? Do you believe the doctrines we preach and witness of are true? Folks, these are all questions that each of us needs answers to. Further, if the answer is not a sound yes, then one needs to work on those issues so the answer is yes. In closing, notice this last quote and the quoted Bible verse range in full context that goes with it as follows. All Christians, in the hope of the resurrection, they were ready to meet trials and even to die. Sustained by this assurance, the apostles went forth amid persecutions and opposition, for they knew that their trials would soon end and that they would be raised up in the morning of the resurrection to a world of eternal glory. By Jesus, by the power or the agency of Jesus, Christ will raise up the dead from their graves. John chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. And shall present us with you, will present us before the throne of glory with exceeding joy and honor. He will present us to God as those who have been redeemed by his blood. He will present us in the courts of heaven before the throne of the Eternal Father, as his ransomed people, as recovered from the ruins of the fall, as saved by the merits of his blood. They shall not only be raised up from the dead, but they shall be publicly and solemnly presented to God as his, as recovered to his service, and as having a title in the covenant of grace to the blessedness of heaven. From Barnes' New Testament Notes I tell you the solemn truth. The one who hears my message and believes the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the solemn truth. A time is coming and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, thus he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has granted the Son authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and will come out. The ones who have done what is good to the resurrection, resulting in life, and the ones who have done what is evil, to the resurrection, resulting in condemnation. 
I can do nothing on my own initiative. Just as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. From John chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. How will the resurrection of all work in your life when everything is finished on planet Earth and Jesus has taken you home for his own? Next week, our episode is titled, Living by Faith, Not by Sight, Part 1. Our Bible tells us, For we know that if our earthly house, the tent we live in, is dismantled, we have a building from God, comma, an earthly house, a tent we live in? What does that mean? To find out more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g Please type the Church of the Unchurched as a single word with no hyphen or spaces in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays 
East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.